Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Happy birthday, Joe. I got a candy bar for you. Don't leave until you get it. We're in Matthew 16 this morning. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Father, we pray that you would help me give your people a sense of your word and help them understand the reading. Help me come to the pulpit not with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to your people the testimony of God, but help me determine not to know anything among them except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Help my speech and my preaching not to be with persuasive words of human wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your people's faith may not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Help me preach the gospel and present the gospel of Christ without charge that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Help me not to preach myself, but Christ Jesus the Lord and myself as a slave for Jesus' sake. Help me not to preach Christ from envy or strife or selfish ambition, but help me to preach Him from goodwill and out of love. Help me to preach Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that I may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Help me preach the Word. Help me be ready in season and out of season. Help me convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Help me to preach the Gospel so that it does not come to your people in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and much assurance. Help me praise your works and declare your mighty acts from the pulpit. Help me speak of the might of your awesome acts and declare your greatness. Help me speak of the glory of your kingdom and of your power. Grant that utterance would be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Help me to be diligent to present myself approved to you, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Help me to believe what I preach. Grip me with it and humble me with it and help me exult in it until I'm lost in wonder, love, and praise. Help me give your people a sense of you and your presence when I preach. Help me give them a glimpse of your glory and majesty and love of Christ my Savior and the magnificence of the Gospel. Cut all the ribbons that tie me to the frowns and smiles of men and drive a steel beam down my backbone and free me to serve you for your glory alone. Father, please help me to seek to serve your people and not impress them with myself. May I impress them with Jesus. May they not say what a wonderful preacher, but what a wonderful Savior. Oh, Father, please make me one of your special instruments of revival and use me in your glorious employ. Please make me mighty in the Scriptures and please make my life to be dominated by a sense of your greatness and your majesty and your holiness. Please make my mind and heart aglow with the great truths of the doctrines of grace. Cause me to learn what it is to die to self and to all human aims and personal ambitions. Please make me willing to be a fool for Christ's sake. Please make me willing to bear reproach and falsehood for Your sake. Please help me labor and be willing to suffer for Your name's sake. Please make my supreme desire not to be to gain earth's accolades, but to win Your approbation when I appear before Your awesome judgment seat. Please help me preach with a broken heart and tear-filled eyes. Please grant my ministry an extraordinary effusion of Your Holy Spirit. And allow me to witness signs and wonders following in the transformation of multitudes of human lives. God, let us hear from You. Let us be changed. Let us be transformed. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.
Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This is the most important question you will ever ask and answer in your life. And we see the answer to this question in our text today, a text that is one of the climaxes of the book of Matthew. I, I, I say one of the climaxes because if you, if you go to the end, when Jesus dies on the cross and there's this great earthquake, and they're mocking Him, He said He's the Son of God, a Roman centurion gets it and says, surely this man was the Son of God. But this is a climax here. <laughs> this is a climax of, of the gospel where Jesus is declared to be the Son of the living God. Matthew's gospel is all about Jesus. That, that's the main... Uh, my, my seminary president in, West, in Westminster West told me the, the main application of every pericope, paragraph, sermon, portion of the gospel is the identity of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It's not mainly about sharing your bread with people. Right? People, people preach on the feeding the 5,000. and Now, kids, Jesus is teaching us to share our bread and fish. Well, <laughs> maybe that's a side, 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 side application. The main thing is it's God before us who created bread out of nothing. The God-man who's the good shepherd who provides for his sheep and will lay his life down for the sheep. Every main application from the Gospels is who is Jesus? J.C. Ryle wrote, there is one subject in religion about which we can never know too much. That subject is Jesus Christ the Lord. There's always more to know about Jesus. There's always more to know. Sometimes when we're out doing evangelism at at ShopRite or Broad and Alney, we're offering them information about the Lord Jesus. And I usually just cry out to people, information about the Lord Jesus Christ, sir? Information about the Lord Jesus Christ, ma'am? And, and many people say, oh, I know Jesus, honey. But you see, there's always more to know. There, there's always more to know. Sometimes I want to say, does He know you? Um, does He know you? There's always more to know about Jesus. That, that, like that song from City of Light, I want to know you and know you more. Friend, is that your desire? Do, do you realize that? Do you realize there's always more to know about Jesus? You'll, you'll never exhaust your, your knowledge of, of Christ. And the more you know, the more you love Him. The more you know, the more you delight in Him. The more you know, the more you want Him. The more you know, the more you want to know. This is Jesus. And so we're going to get to know Him more today, God willing. First we see Jesus ask His disciples what other people are saying about Him. Look at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus and His disciples travel to this place called Caesarea Philippi. This is the northern region near Mount Hermon, a primarily Gentile, non-Jewish area, 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. And he asked his disciples here, who do people say that the Son of Man is? One note on Jesus asking questions. Like God asking Adam in the garden after Adam sinned, where are you? Jesus asks questions, not because He don't know. <laughs> Jesus doesn't ask questions. God didn't ask Adam, oh, I can't find him. Where's he gone? <laughs> well, God asks Adam, Jesus is God, and He doesn't ask questions because He needs information. Jesus asks questions to challenge, test, and teach His disciples. Like in John 6, 5 through 6, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Jesus asked Philip that question. And then we, we get the inspired narration from John. He said this to test him. 
For he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> you know, when, when you read things like that in the Bible and you have questions, just, just realize God doesn't ask because he doesn't know. He knows everything. He knows everything before it happens. And so Jesus is asking his disciples a question here to test and challenge and teach them. And Jesus here calls himself in the question the Son of Man, which even by, by the fact that he's asking the question shows us that that, that that name which he goes by, he loves to go by that name Son of Man, isn't it clearly evident what that means to people because he's asking who do people say the Son of Man is? And, and remember, we've spoken about this before in, in, in prior sermons. Son of man conceals. It, it, he, he's saying, I'm a man. Son of man means he's, he's a man. And Jesus is a man. But we've also seen, it also, also reveals something about Jesus in sort of a hidden way because the Son of Man is the divine figure who, everla who has everlasting rule and dominion in Daniel chapter 7. And so Jesus calls Himself the, the Son of Man. Who is are people saying the Son of Man is? Is this an arrogant question? Is this an arrogant question for Jesus to ask? I mean, what if I came up to y'all this morning and said, Hey everyone, what's the neighborhood saying about me? What's the word on the street about Joseph Randall? Come on, I know they're talking about me. I mean, you can't help but talk about me. What's everybody saying? I mean, that, that, if, if he's asking that way, right, that would seem sort of arrogant, wouldn't it? Have you ever read the Gospels and, and tried to think of Jesus as just a man? He would be the most arrogant man who's ever lived if he's just a man. I mean, I mean Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He, he, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him when he said that because I am is the name of God Almighty. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I mean, Jesus said, if you believe in me, you won't die. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. He's, if, if he's just a mere man, he's the most arrogant man who's ever lived. You have heard it said of old, you shall not murder, but I say to you. Who do you think you are? He's God Almighty come in the flesh is who he is. He's not just a mere man. He's the God man. And he can ask any question he wants. And so he asked this question, to his disciples in verse 13. And Jesus' disciples tell him what other people are saying about him. They don't tell him all the things people are saying. They sort of focus on the good because we've seen people say he's a demon and has a demon. So they, they sort of focus on, on the good. Verse 14, and they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now this is an amazing company that Jesus is included in. Some say he's John the Baptist. Remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist in Matthew eleven eleven. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came preaching repentance and calling Israel to turn from her sins, and so did Jesus. And so some think this is this right. Herod thought that right. This must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some think he's Elijah. Remember Elijah. Remember the great things Elijah did. He, he made a widow's uh, flour and oil last so that she had bread as she needed. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He confronted wicked King Ahab. Through the Lord, he defeated Baal worshipers. Maybe most impressively, he did not die, but was taken up into heaven with chariots of fire and a whirlwind. And because of Malachi 4, 5... The Jews believed that Elijah would come back before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And so some thought maybe, maybe he's Elijah who was to come back. Or Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. 
Listen to how Hebrews 11 speaks of the the greatness of the, of the prophets. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David uh, and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. It doesn't sound like the prophets had their best life now. But they're in the hall of faith. They had faith. (laughs) I want to preach a sermon right now. (laughs) They had plenty of faith. They're in the hall of faith, but they got sawn in two. So like Jeremiah and the prophets, Jesus pointed out Israel's sins and called them to repent, and He was a, a suffering servant. And Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and so people saw these parallels between the greatness of Jeremiah, the greatness of the prophets, and this man, Christ Jesus. But Jesus is greater than them all. Jesus is greater than them all. He's greater than Elijah. He's greater than John the Baptist. He's greater than Jeremiah. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than all the, those in the hall of faith of Hebrews 11. He's in a class by himself. Elijah was a sinner who needed a Savior. John the Baptist was a sinner who needed a Savior. Jeremiah and all the prophets were sinners who needed a Savior. It's not enough to believe that Jesus was a wonderful, great man. Even the greatest man who ever lived. It's not enough to believe that He's the greatest man who ever lived. That's not enough. He is the God-man. He's the God-man and He's in a class all by Himself. And so Jesus moves on from asking His disciples, who do others say that I am, to asking them a very personal question. Jesus asked the most important question you will ever answer. Children, listen. This is the most important question you will ever answer. Young people, this this is the most important question that you'll ever answer in your life. Matthew 16, 15, He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? This is the question of all questions. And the main point of everything we are reading in Matthew's Gospel. And and Matthew's Gospel answers this. This is the climax of everything. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We we see in John's Gospel why, why he wrote... John 20, 30-31, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in His name. Friend, have you done that? Have you come to a place in your life where you have seen your sin? And you've seen your need for a Savior. The Bible teaches that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've all broken His commandments in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We've not loved other people as we love ourselves. We've failed to do that. We've not loved God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We harbor bitterness and anger toward people. We refuse to speak to people. I remember one pastor telling me, if you want to know how your relationship with God is, pick the worst, hardest relationship in your life. That's how you're doing with God. You ain't talking to somebody? Well, God ain't talking to you. We're wicked. 
You know yourself to be wicked? Or you think you're pretty good? Jesus didn't come for you if you don't think you're wicked. Jesus didn't come for you. He didn't come for the righteous people. He didn't come for people who don't think they need Him. He came for poor, rotten, dirty, vile sinners who are ready to get on their face and beat their breast and say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Friend, you know yourself to be a sinner. That you've broken God's laws and commandments. That you deserve His wrath in hell forever. Do you know that? The good news of the gospel is God loves sinners. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And and so Jesus comes into the world and lives a a holy, perfect life and and then gives His life a ransom for many, dies and, and suffers the wrath and curse and judgment of God and and dies and is buried and on the third day rises up from the dead conquering sin, death, and hell and calling to everyone sinners and self-righteous people who are sinners too to repent and believe in Him that you might be saved. Friend, I don't want anyone in this building to die and go to hell. And I can't see into every one of your hearts. And so I pray that you would truly see yourself as the sinner that you are. That you would truly beat your breast and weep over your sin. Have you ever wept over your sin, snot coming out of your nose and all? Have you ever had a dealing with God Almighty where you wept over your sin? Where you're broken over your sin? James says mourn and howl and weep. You adulterous people. Have you ever done that? You ever done that over your sin? And then you come to Christ. And He wipes your face. He cleans your nose. He says, welcome my beloved child. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. No matter what you've done. No matter how bad you've been. You are forgiven. My son died for you. My son loves you. I love you. I gave my son for you. And He forgives. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And He'll change your life. The people you won't talk to, you'll, you'll, you'll talk to now. You'll humble yourself. You'll do things you never did before. You'll, you'll, you'll love like you've never loved. You'll, you'll have a joy and a peace and a delight about life because you're living for Him now. And those things you used to do that God hates, He'll clean that up because He changes those who believe in Him. You can't earn it. You can't clean yourself up. You you can't work for it. You you can simply receive it as a free gift. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to to Him who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. That's the gospel. And I urge you, today, believe the gospel. Be saved. Today is the day of salvation. You do not know if God will give you another day. And so believe in Him. And meet me in heaven. Jesus asked this most important question you will ever answer. Who do you say that I am? And we hear Peter's faithful and true declaration of who Jesus is in verse 16. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. How many of you, don't answer out loud, know what Christ means? My name's Joseph Randall, and Jesus' name is Jesus Christ. That's not what it means. It's not Jesus' last name. It's not Jesus' last name. It's a title. It's a title. It means anointed one. Or or Messiah. He's the Savior. Three offices. Three official offices in the Old Testament were anointed with oil as a symbol of God's presence and God's Spirit and God's empowering for the call that God has given them. Prophets were anointed with the Holy Spirit to speak God's truth and priests were anointed and kings were anointed. 
And throughout Jesus' time with Peter, God has revealed to Peter that Jesus is the anointed one preeminently. He is the promised Messiah. He is the preeminent prophet, priest, and king of God's people and of all the world. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And Peter confesses that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Jesus is God. Sometimes I hear this at Broad and Alney. Well, I thought you said Jesus is the Son of God. Because I have my shirt. I haven't asked you about your shirt. Your shirt says Jesus is God. I thought Jesus was the Son of God. How do you, what do you say? Well, He's both. Jesus is God, but He's also God's Son. Sons have the same nature as their fathers. Adam. What's your nature? What's your nature? It starts with an H and rhymes with umen. Human nature. Your daddy has a human nature. And you're your daddy's son, and you share your daddy's nature. Human. You have a human nature. John Owen. What's your nature? Human. You're just like Adam. You're a human and your daddy, Daniel, has a human nature and you share your daddy's nature. Human nature. God is God. And God's son, Jesus, shares the same nature as his father, divine nature. Jesus is God and Jesus is the son of God. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He's appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He's God and He's the Son of God. And... I love Hebrews 1.8. But of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus is God. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 2, paragraph 3, says this about the Trinity and their relations to one another. The triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. In the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Jesus the Son is eternally begotten of the Father according to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Where do they get that? From the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And there's four other places where Jesus is called the only begotten of the Father. Now, some of your modern translations take that out and say, oh, that word only means unique or only, so His only Son. I believe they're wrong. I agree with Lee Irons. You can pull his short little article up and read the evidence he gives that we ought to go back to the old King Jimmy on this one. And begotten is a good word and points to the eternal begotten nature of the Son of God. I'll give you one verse. John 5, 26. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. Jesus is the Son of God. The eternally begotten Son of the living God. And Peter confesses that here. And Peter tells it like it is. (laughs) Peter tells it like it is. He's clear, he's emphatic, and he's definite. He tells it like I think Sister Tanya would tell it. He tells it like it is. Bold. Peter's that kind of guy. (laughs) Sister Tanya reminds me of Peter. (laughs) You want something told and said, and you don't care what they think, you get Sister Tanya to do it, baby. Because she don't back down. A lioness. That's how Peter is. He's clear, emphatic, and dead. I love what Ligon Dungan says about, about this. Notice the definiteness of this statement. There are only ten words, but in the original there are four definite articles. It's very emphatic. And the way Peter answers Jesus is not subjective, it's objective. Peter doesn't say, well, you know, Lord, you know these Pharisees and Sadducees are confused about this, and they're the religious leaders of our people. How can you expect 
uh, uneducated fisherman like us to give you an answer to that question. Nor does he say, well, Lord, you know, I personally believe that you're the Messiah, but there are a lot of people who don't. I mean, Peter's answer is the most unpolitically correct, unpostmodern answer that you could possibly anticipate. He doesn't say, you know, I personally believe that you're the Messiah, but how could I be so narrow and arrogant as to say that, that's, that, that this is a universal statement for everybody else? No. Peter says, you are the Christ. You are God's living Son. Peter makes a universal statement. He pronounces a universal confession and truth. It's a profound statement, and I want you to look at it. He tells it like it is. There, there's only one way to God. There's only one way to be saved. Every other religion leads to hell. Do you realize that? If you love your Buddhist friends, if you love your Hindu friends, if you love your Muslim friends, if you love your religious friends who go to church a lot but don't know Jesus, then you'll tell them about Jesus and that He's the only way to God. Parents, you're going to tell your children about Jesus because unless they believe in Him, they're going to go to hell. Your child's only hope is Jesus. Peter is very clear here. You know, some people say that Jesus was just a really good man. Well, yeah, I believe he was a good man. He was, he was nice. He was friendly. Maybe the nicest man. He was a very nice guy. I believe he was a good religious leader. That won't cut it. That won't cut it. I, I love what C.S. Lewis says. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Wow. Wow. You see, you read the Gospels, you, you, you can't come up with he's just a good moral teacher. Because he said, you believe in me, you'll never die. I mean, what if I said that to y'all this morning? Believe on the pastor Jesus Christ and you shall never die. I mean, believe on the pastor Joseph Randall and you'll never die. <laughs> I mean, I hope Michael and Daniel will be making their way up forward, calling, you know, for help. I mean, there, there's a problem. If I start telling you, if you believe in me, you'll never die. I'm, I'm a loony or, or I'm a demon. Jesus said things like that. Because He is the only way to be saved. And, and so he can't, he, He's not just a, a moral teacher. He, he, he's, he's God. And we should bow down and worship Him as Lord. What you believe about Jesus really matters. What you believe about Jesus really matters. Beloved, pe people want to say, you know, they don't want to talk about doctrine. They don't want to talk about teaching. They just want Jesus. I just want Jesus. Well, which Jesus? Because there's a lot of Jesuses out there that lead to hell. So, so we have to do teaching. We have to do doctrine if we love Jesus. Because as soon as you start to define who Jesus is, you're doing doctrine. Who is the Jesus of the Bible? Who is the true historical Jesus who lived and died and rose again? What you believe about Jesus really matters. David Platt says... Who you say Jesus is will determine everything about how you follow Him. If you think Jesus was a good teacher, then you will follow Him like you would a good teacher. If you think Jesus merely had some good ideas, then you will listen to what He says every once in a while. If you think Jesus was a good example, then you will try to follow His example. However, if you believe that Jesus was and is the promised Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, who came to earth to save us from our sins, to conquer sin and death, and to reign and rule over all as Lord, then that changes everything about how you live. The church is made up of people who believe in that Jesus and know Him intimately. Do you know Jesus intimately?
Do you know Jesus intimately? Do you, do you talk to Him? More than just when you're here. Do you read His words more than just when you're here? Do you think about Him? Do you cry out to Him when you need help? Is He your comfort? Is He your all? Is He your lover? Is He your shepherd? Is, is He your husband? Is He your everything? Do you know Him intimately? Not, not how you know, you know, do you know Jalen Hurts? Oh yeah, I know Him. I'm going to watch Him today and cheer. Do I know no, no. Do you know Him like have you ever sat down with Him and had coffee with Him and talked to Him? Do you have Him in your phone? Do you text Him? You know Him that way. You don't know Him that way. How do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I've heard of Him. I've, my mom makes me come to church and I've heard about Him. I know about Him that way. I know I've got to learn about Him because my parents tell me to learn about Him. Uh, I, I know Him because I've been going to church my whole life and this is what I do. But do you know him as a lover? Do you know him as friend? Do you know him as, as competent? Do you know him as the one you tell all your business to and ask for help? Do, do you know him as someone you spend time with in prayer and in the word? Do, do you know him as, as someone that you, you delight to be with? Do you know Jesus intimately? I read one pastor wrote this week, if people in our churches attend only once or twice monthly, want the shortest meetings possible, have no appetite for prayer, and aren't interested in spiritual things, something is wrong. If they know, know more about how to use their phones than their New Testament, but then say they want to go to heaven for eternity, we have to stop and ask ourselves, what has my preaching ministry produced? I don't want anybody who said under my preaching ministry to die and go to hell. I, I want everybody to be saved. And you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must confess Him like this as, as Peter and believe on Him and trust Him and follow Him. What you believe about Jesus really matters and how you answer this question is the most important thing about you. Next, we see in our passage, only God the Father can reveal to people the true identity of Jesus. Only God can do this. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> there, there's a sense in which what I'm doing right now is impossible pleading with people to know who Christ is. <laughs> but I can't make that happen. God has to act. God has to do something supernatural where His Spirit comes down and awakens you. Otherwise, you're going to fall asleep and be bored about Jesus. You're just going to find it boring unless God comes and awakens you. I thought church was boring, kids. I mean, if, if I was under 18, I tell you this all the time, I was bored to death at church because I was dead. I was dead in sin. I was on my way to hell. And then God awakened me. God has to do this for you. God did this for Peter. Only God the Father can reveal to people the true identity of Jesus. Verse 17, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Solomon, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus tells Simon Peter, the son of Jonah, that he's blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to know Jesus who Jesus truly is. That's what it means to be blessed. It's to know who Jesus truly is and to confess who Jesus truly is and to believe who Jesus truly is and to trust, love, and obey and follow Jesus is the definition of what it means to be blessed. To be blessed is deep joy, deep happiness, deep satisfaction, all according to God's definitions of joy and happiness and satisfaction. It's the opposite of being cursed. It's to have God smile and approval and blessing. It's to have God sing over you with loud shouts of joy and delight. And beloved, know that God does that over you who have confessed that Jesus is the Christ. You are blessed. If you have confessed like Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you are blessed like this. You are loved of God. You are accepted. You are forgiven. He sings over you. He shouts over you with loud shouts of joy and delight in you, believer. That's the privilege we have of being God's sons and daughters. We're blessed like Peter. And Jesus' Father in heaven revealed this truth to Peter. 
Jesus tells him, for flesh and blood has not uh, revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God the Father revealed this to Peter. He wouldn't get this on his own. God had to reveal this to Peter. That, 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 that could be <clears throat> a scary thing. I mean, you think about all that Peter's seen. Judas saw the same things. Can you imagine seeing the ministry of Jesus dying and going to hell? Because the Father didn't reveal it to Judas. Can you imagine that? Being with the, the living Christ. Seeing Him do these miracles. Again, we, we talked about this a, a few weeks ago. If you saw miracles, you, you think, oh yeah, I'd believe. If I saw Jesus feed 20,000 people from nothing, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Unless the Father revealed it to you. Judas saw all these miracles. He walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. He had the best pastor in the world. Jesus. And he died and went to hell. Because the Father had not revealed Jesus to Judas. But the Father revealed it to Peter. The Father revealed this truth to Peter. Has God revealed the truth to you? Has God revealed the truth to you? I, I would just encourage you, if, if you're not getting this, <clears throat> if, if you're sitting there thinking, man, when he talked about sin, he was really self-righteous. That was just mean. That wasn't right to talk about sin. When he talks about hell, just so judgmental. You, I would encourage you to pray that the Father reveal to you His truth. I would encourage you to pray right now, God, I, I don't want to listen to this guy. He's telling me the truth, but I don't want to listen. God, reveal the truth about Christ to me. Beg God to reveal the truth about Jesus to you, that He might save your soul. Because unless God does that, you will not be saved. No matter how good your pastor is. No matter how good your preacher is. Because you can walk with Jesus Himself like Judas and die and go to hell unless the Father reveals the truth to you. So beg Him to do it. Father, I mean, that, that moves me to pray. Father, if there's anything wrong in my life, reveal it to me, Father. If there's anything I'm doing that doesn't please you, Father, reveal that to me. If there's any way I'm not loving people as I should, if there's any way I'm being self if there's any secret sin that I'm deceived by, Lord, reveal that to me because I want to be with you. And I want to repent. Give me Jesus. <laughs> we should pray that way. Father, reveal truth to me. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one is going to come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. It's sovereign grace. Sovereign grace. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. And on that point that Jesus is God, you know, Jesus does the same thing. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, we read Jesus say, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. If you know the Son, it's because the Father revealed that to you. If you know the Father, it's because the Son revealed that to you. Jesus is God. He, he, he does what God does. He reveals the truth. God the Father drew Peter by showing him who Jesus is. Jesus came preaching powerfully like no other. Jesus healed the sick. He cast out demons. He cleansed lepers. He forgave sins. He made the lame to walk. He healed the withered hand. He calmed the storm. He called Himself the bridegroom. He raised up the dead. He fed thousands of people bread that He Himself created as the Good Shepherd. He opened deaf ears. He opened blind eyes. Jesus is the Christ. God revealed this to Peter. Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He's the Christ. Has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is the fulfillment of Daniel 9, 25-26. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore a building, Jerusalem, to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, 
And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. Jesus is David's greater son who will sit on his throne forever and ever. And to accomplish this, Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king, was cut off and had nothing on that cross. He's the prophet whose mouth was shut up and silent before his murderers. Whose mouth cried out when he was forsaken by his father, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Whose mouth cried out, It is finished. When he accomplished all that his father asked him to do. He's the priest who didn't just offer sacrifices, but who gave his very self up to be slaughtered for the sins of his people. He's the king who was humiliated, whipped and beaten, stripped naked, spit upon, had a crown of thorns put on his head. The king who was deposed in the most gruesome way. But he conquered it all and rose up from the dead. And because he rose, he's the conquering, victorious, triumphant Christ in power. In Jesus Christ, we have the greatest prophet who speaks the word of God to us, who tells us all we need to know <clears throat> to live a holy and happy life, who is the Word of God made flesh, who tells us how to be forgiven our sins and how to be brought into a right relationship with God. In Jesus Christ, we have the greatest high priest who lived the perfect life we should have lived so that He could provide the perfect sacrifice for our sins and provide us with the perfect righteousness we need to stand before a holy God. He's the priest who offered the sacrifice was Himself the sacrifice and was made our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He's the priest who rose up from the dead and ever lives to make intercession for us. In Jesus Christ, we have the great King who protects and provides for us all that we need and more. He protects us. He purifies us. He rules over us. He conquers us with His beauty and grace and love and mercy and will conquer all of our enemies forever. Walter Kaiser, in his book, The Messiah in the Old Testament, writes, He's the seed of the woman who crushed the devil's head. He's the one through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He's the bright morning star. He's the great prophet like Moses who was to come. He's the witness. He's the redeemer. He's the mediator. He's the anointed one. He's the faithful priest. He's David's house, throne, and kingdom. He's the conqueror. He's the rejected stone. He's the betrayed one. He's the one who died and was resurrected. He's the great bridegroom. He's the triumphant king. He's the teacher. He's the greater David. He's the coming ruler. He's born of a virgin. He's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He exercised his universal triumph. He's the foundation stone. He's the servant of the Lord. He's the proclaimer of good news. He's the Lord our righteousness. He's the priestly king. He's the yes and amen to all of God's inviolable promises. He's the good shepherd. He's the unifier of the nation. He's the son of man. He's the coming anointed ruler. He's the desire of the nations. He's the signet ring. He's the preeminent high priest. He's the pierced one. He's the rejected one. He's the smitten companion. He's the messenger of the covenant. He's the son of righteousness who rises with healing in his wings. That's my king. Do you know him? Do you know my king today? And because he's all this and more, because he's the Christ, we turn to him from sin. Because he's the Christ, we stay married and love our spouses no matter what. Because he's the Christ, we love our children and we bring them to church. And we teach them about Jesus diligently. Because He's the Christ, we may change our phone number and get rid of our computer to avoid sin. We cut off those hands and pluck out those eyes. Because He's the Christ, we don't get jealous of one another in ministry, in family, in stuff, in possessions, of wives, of position, of power, of money. We die to jealousy. Because He's the Christ, we tell the truth on our tax returns. Even if we'll lose a lot of money. Because He's the Christ, we fight to turn from lust and pornography. Because He's the Christ, we love one another deeply, not judging one another or talking about a person in ways we would not if that person were present. Because He's the Christ, we make gathering with His church on the Lord's Day a priority in our lives every Sunday. Because He's the Christ, we fight for joy in Him more than in anything else in life. Because He's the Christ, we hold on to everything in this life with a loose grip. We are generous. We give. Because He's the Christ, we love lavishly. We repent often. We humble ourselves before one another and submit to one another. Because He's the Christ, 
We long for lost sinners to know Him. We long to make disciples. Do you long to see other people come to Christ? Like, is that a desire for you? Friend, if you don't desire that, you may not be saved. If you, if you know yourself to be saved from hell, if you know yourself to be saved from eternity in hell through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and yet you have no desire to see other people be saved like you were, you may not be a Christian because you may not get it. I mean, you just may not get it that he saved you from hell. Because when you get that, you don't want other people to go to hell. You want people to be saved. You want people to worship your God. Because he's the Christ, we tell other people about Jesus. And we long to make disciples. This is, this is Jesus' great commission. That we go and make disciples. Again, if there's no desire in your heart, none, to see the other members of our church grow in Christ. If you're not actively engaged in helping other members grow in Christ, what does it mean that you're a Christian? And that's what Mark Dever is going to be talking about this afternoon. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll send it out to you that can't make it. Christians desire to see people saved and Christians desire to make disciples because He's the Christ. And I know some of you are just beat down by all these exhortations. You're beat down. I'm not that. I'm not this. I don't do that. Maybe I am going to hell. Not if you have a Savior. So you can preach hard like this if you hold up a Savior. I mean, we have a Savior from all that sin. <laughs> if you don't desire any of those things, if you're living in some of those sins, repent and believe the gospel. Embrace your Savior. He forgives of all and He'll change your life. <laughs> because He's the Christ, when we fail at all of these exhortations I just went through, he stands lovingly and ready to forgive us when we turn to Him. The answer is always the same. Come to Christ. You feel beat down? Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. Confess your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He will help you. He will forgive you. He will walk with you and empower you to begin to do some of these things. Lord, I'm convicted by the sermon. I'm not. I haven't shared my faith with an unbeliever in six months. Or I never have. I've never shared my faith with an unbeliever with the intent to see them get saved and know Christ. And Lord, I feel convicted about that. Jesus, help me. Forgive me. And He forgives. He forgives. The vilest of sinners who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Beloved, don't let hard preaching beat you down. I beat myself down. I mean, just know that. I beat myself down. I had a good snot-crying, weeping, repentance session on Friday. It's a good thing to do. Sometimes I... Should I be up here? I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Do you know you have a Savior? Come to Him. He forgives you. He forgives you. His mercy is abounding. His love is abounding. He, he loves sinners. Come to Him. If you feel beat down, come to Christ. He heals. He saves. He's going to change you. He's going to walk with you through it all. Come to Him. Confess. Receive. Believe. And know that you're forgiven. Know that you're forgiven. And that's true for all of us who truly know Him. Do you know Him as the Christ? <laughs> Al Martin said, you can teach a parrot to say Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. That's not going to save anybody. You can teach a parrot to say what Peter said, right? Do you know him? 
If you're here this morning and you don't know Him, the answer is the same. Cry out to Him. Lord, I want to know You. Reveal Yourself to me. Keep coming. Keep hearing the Gospel. Talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Find another Christian here that would, would talk to you about the Gospel. We want you to truly know Him as Peter truly knows Him. And, you know, it's, a, it's good to, to be reminded, Peter messed up, didn't he? I mean, if you want to be encouraged, if you feel beat down, look at what Peter does here, right? Next week, Peter's exalted even more on this rock. I'm going to build my church. And no, I'm not going Catholic next week. But I don't believe it's right to write that off as Peter's confession. So if you want to know what, what the Bible teaches about that, that Peter's the rock on which Jesus builds his church and he builds Peter, the keys of the kingdom, you got to come back next week. And so you had this high point, but what, what, what happens soon after that? What does Jesus call Peter? Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Peter had some tough skin. Do y'all have tough skin? Or do y'all walk away when a pastor says something hard to you? Jesus called Peter Satan. It doesn't get much hard than that. Harder than that, right? And then, you know, we say, well, that was before the death and resurrection. What does Peter do after the death and resurrection? After Pentecost, he has to be confronted by the Apostle Paul for undermining the very gospel that saves sinners. And the, and the Bible says he stands condemned. And yet, God is gracious and merciful with Peter over and over and over and over again. As long as you keep repenting and coming back to Christ. God is merciful. He's merciful to Peter. He's gracious to Peter. Jesus' sacrifice more than sufficed. With love and beauty, He enticed. And above all, He is the Christ. The question of all questions to every generation, who do you say that I am, is Jesus' exact quotation. How you answer sets your eternal destination. Deny He's Messiah and suffer condemnation or confess Him as Christ for a glorious salvation. If you get it right, it's His Father's holy revelation. So bow down to Him in worship and adoration. John the Baptist was a bold, great man. Of those born of woman, none's greater than. But there's still one whose glory span can't be contained since time began. Christ will finish God's perfect plan, for He's the only one who can. May in our hearts a flame He fanned, for He truly is the greatest man. Elijah even raised the dead and helped the widow bake her bread. But he himself was never dead. We need another in our stead who for our sins His blood was shed and o'er all our foes His feet would tread. A crown of thorns set on His head. For our salvation He has bled and rose alive just as He said. To all the world salvation spread. He is the Christ, our living bread. He's the great anointed prophet who spoke God's Word. He's the greatest voice you've ever heard. His speech was clear and always stirred. He told the truth and never slurred. This awesome gospel He conferred. Our sins to Him were all transferred. God's wrath upon Himself incurred. Up from the grave He rose the third. Now lives forever undeterred. For He alone's the living Word. He's the great anointed high priest who offered Himself and not a beast. He offered the offering and became the least. He was the offering so evil ceased. Now His death is our glory feast. And He's no longer dead, deceased, but lives. His beauty still increased and removes our sins far as west to east. He's the great anointed reigning King. Of all power, He's the spring. He's never done one evil thing, but to you salvation He can bring, no matter what your sin or fling. If to Him alone, by faith you'll cling, He'll raise you up, give your heart wing, and make your tongue forever sing. Christ Jesus is the God who came. His church to build. His holy aim. He is the Christ, Peter exclaimed. The rock, this rock, the world shall never tame. He's Son of God, we must proclaim. He die, bear all God's wrath and shame. Take our sin and curse and blame. Then rise again His bride to claim. The gates of hell He'd crush and maim. By faith alone, not sweetest frame. We're justified, never the same. All for Christ's everlasting fame, to the praise of His holy and beautiful name. Father, thank You for Jesus. Thank You, Lord, for 
revealing to us, like you did Peter, the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we're justified by faith alone in Christ alone, not by sweetest frame. Lord, we confess. We confess this hymn that we're going to sing, that I, I went over the words with, with Carol, with Ted's wife, on her deathbed. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Father, help us to know that. Help us to believe that. Help us to confess with Peter that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Lord Jesus. And help us to live like we believe it. Lord, reveal ways in our lives where we're falling short. Reveal ways in our lives where we can grow. Lord, we all can grow. Help us to want to know Christ and then know Him more. And Father, we pray for anyone here today that may not have come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. God, we pray that today would be the day that sinners get saved in this church and that angels rejoice in heaven. God, do that, we pray, by Your Spirit so that everyone... Everyone that leaves these doors today walks out born again, repentant, and saved by the blood of the Lamb. God, do that today by your Spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen.